0: Hello, I'm John Griff and welcome to something new for the business community. It's called All Things Business, the podcast. Ben Thomas is the man behind it. You'll have perhaps already seen All Things Business magazine, itself a publication produced by Ben's business, All Things Management, and sent out each month to businesses across the region. So why start a new podcast
1: series as well? Well, for for us, we're, we're more than just a business publication. Whilst the the publication goes out monthly, and we've obviously got Northamptonshire, Milton Keynes we launched in May last year, and we've just launched in Bedfordshire. People are consuming news in so many different formats. Uh, podcasts is, or podcasts is something that I must admit, me personally, I've, I'd listen to more now than what I, I did ever before. And we've got an obligation and a, and a duty, if you like, to our advertisers to promote them and by as many means possible, whether that be online, social media in print and now of course podcasting for us we've got a platform we've got an audience that's growing we've seen this year and i'm going to use the c word but i'm going to call it challenge it's been the year of the challenge (laughs) i feel that we've we have to support one another so you know if we go back i think it was the june or july edition of all things business the feature for that particular month was the food and drink sector The food and drink sector in Northamptonshire is thriving. Rachel Mallows does an amazing job with the Northamptonshire Food and Drink Awards. We employ over 55,000 people. Or sorry, I say we, that sector does. But we publish 24 pages of promoting that sector, but for no revenue. And some people might think you're stupid, Ben. And yes, you know, in time, hopefully those businesses will look back on us and think, "Do you know, what, guys, you did a really good job for us. And yes, there might be revenue in years to come. But for us, we've got an opportunity and it it was perfect timing that um, it was just before the Rishi Sunak's eat, Eat In Dine Out, is that right? Campaign and the independent food and drink sector that they need support now more than ever. We live in difficult
0: times, but do you see the current economic climate as being a threat to business? or from a marketing potential, do you see it as an opportunity?
1: Well, there's a question. I don't know how long this podcast is, John. I think a lot of that depends on the sector that you're in. For some businesses, and, and I'm gonna put us in this, um, it's definitely an opportunity, or that's the way that we're looking at it. For some businesses um, and some sectors, it's, it's a massive threat. You know, the events industry, for example, and I would say hospitality as well. I, I, really, I really fear for some of those businesses or, or that sector. Um, it's, it's heartbreaking. So, uh, you know, I'm, I am very much the optimist. My outlook has always been uh, positive, but I, I think for some businesses and some sectors, it's definitely, there's definitely opportunity there, but for, but for many that it will be a threat. This is episode one of what will become a podcast series. Who are we going to meet during the course of this series? You're gonna meet some wonderful business people some of which will be from businesses that are household names across the region, some household names that will be nationwide. Um, But the one thing I love about my job, John, is there's pockets of businesses across the region, Northamptonshire, Milton Keynes, Bedfordshire, and there'll be buildings that people will drive past every day and they never know what they do. And, you know, we're going to get those business owners or those senior people on this podcast and they're going to tell us, you know, what makes them tick, what do they do for their... For their customers what what do they make in their businesses for example who are the type of clients that they service and uh, and hopefully the audience will find it very interesting
0: i don't know too many bosses that manage wearing flip-flops but that's exactly (laughs) what you're doing right now it's an interesting and an exciting
1: time for your business do you want to say why so we're here on uh, day one of our new office which is in preston deanery for those of you that don't know preston deanery it's a, a beautiful um picturesque village or probably a Hamlet actually and um, we we moved in here from the innovation center uh, which is in the center of Northampton so this is our head office so the reason I'm in my havianas is uh is is because I've been lumping boxes around this morning and uh, and I thought I might get my my sweat on but this for us is uh, the next chapter for for all things management and um we're looking forward to it this is very much the head office though we, we've got some office space at the cubics office facility which is on Hampton by Hilton at Luton Parkway and also at the Pinnacle in Midsummer Boulevard in Milton Keynes.
0: I didn't mention you're also wearing shorts
1: you got to put those legs away at some point. (laughs) Those listening that know me uh, if I'm not in a pair of chinos and a shirt I'll I'll always be in t-shirt flip-flops and shorts. (laughs) Episode
0: one it's great to get started nice to talk to you. Thank you John. Ben Thomas and there'll be more from Ben and the All Things Business team as this podcast series develops. From Ben, we turn to an organisation with business, employment and the region's economy at its heart. Semlep provides a multitude of services and signposting to businesses. And for a helicopter view of the current situation, I've been talking to Paul Thompson. As Employment and Skills Manager for Semlep, how does he view the situation right now?
2: Well, I mean, it, it, it's certainly tough. I mean, we, we've gone from an area that's had kind of really full employment. Um, and we actually obviously have seen an, an increase in unemployment. But um, I mean, that said, at the moment, um, things are looking a little bit more positive. We're, we're seeing um, some growth in job vacancies. Um, certainly for August, um, the job vacancy numbers were about 80% of what they were last year, um, which is kind of you know, positive and heading in the right direction. We're, we're seeing good growth in, in job vacancies, in um, occupations to do with business operations and management and digital um, in particular, we are seeing growth in some manufacturing as well, particularly food manufacturing. Um, so that, that's good. Health and education have held their own um, during the, this time. So, um, again, very, very positive. Um, yeah, no, it, it's not all do and groom it, It's tough out there for some businesses, that's for sure. We know that. Um, but there are opportunities. There are opportunities.
3: Paul,
0: to hear you speak, uh, you would almost say we're not in a worsening uh, uh, recession, but we're actually well and truly starting to climb out of that. I, are you sugaring the pill?
2: <laughs> no, I don't think I'm sugaring the pill. I mean, it, it's we, we track live data, obviously, as part of the work that we actually do. Um, and the numbers speak for themselves. You know, I mean, this is kept coming through and we're actually hearing it anecdotally from businesses as well. Um clearly one of the strengths within our area is logistics, um, certainly throughout Northamptonshire and Milton Keynes. And, uh, you know, that is really becoming buoyant. I mean, you you also see things in the press where I think uh, figures of kind of over 50% of things that were bought uh, on the high street are being bought online. Um, And obviously that kind of um, puts more focus on the logistics sector. Um, There's certainly kind of – got big demand at the moment for people kind of working in the warehouses and drivers but also the business operations functions that I, I mentioned before um, so certainly on finance and human resources procurement uh, those kind of things that there, there, there is a demand there is a demand out there.
0: Are we seeing the recession not biting as much as we thought it would or is this a question of demand and supply?
2: A little bit of both I think it was envisaged that the area would be more resilient than perhaps some other areas in the country by the nature of the types of businesses uh, that we actually had in the area. But I would also say that um, some businesses are looking at the opportunity to um, to recruit um, and actually fill gaps. We had a very tight labour market, and by that I mean that you know, like I could say we had high levels of employability. Um, so you know, businesses were struggling to fill some occupations. Um, and so you know crazy as this may sound, it might give them a slight breather to actually kind of try and um, get some people into those positions now if if the if the business is still uh, you know sustainable and that actually kind of um, withheld the storm uh, mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Um, yeah, you know, I mean it, it's 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 a combination of two. I think it's just a bit early to say exactly what the scenario is. Um, I mean, on top of this, obviously, we have the this situation with um with Brexit as well. Um, So with migrant workforce, some returning home, obviously, during the COVID period. Um, Again, anecdotally, we are hearing that there are some vacancies because of that.
0: You are the Employment and Skills Manager for Semlep. Are you perceiving that there is a skills gap? In employability, I mean, you talked about certain sectors that are doing better than others. So, if this is a question of retraining, if this is a question of reskilling, is SEMLEP at the core of of helping people to do that, so that they are more employable going forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly that that, that is one of our main roles. I mean, we're basically a strategic body, and we work with partners to kind of um, develop a talent pipeline uh, with people with this kind of skills and the qualifications. Uh, attitudes and behaviours that are required by employers. Um, it's very important that that we actually are employer-led with regard to this. Um, so making sure we are pointing people in the right direction, making sure they've got the right provision in place, that the kind of skills uh, are actually developed, uh, making sure that we've got the facilities in place. So you know, part of our role is you know capital investment programmes, and we've we've invested heavily in further education within the area. Uh, certainly over the last five years. We've got a growth hub that's actually on the ground. Um, so business advisors helping support businesses uh, with regard to that. Uh, um, both, you know, both ways, helping businesses that are struggling, but also helping businesses that are growing, mm. um, as, it, as it might suggest in the title. Um, for me particularly, I mean, I'm, my focus really is we put together a COVID-19 response team very early in the process, Uh, with a series of partners from local authorities um, and some of the national program providers, further education, higher education. Um, We identified very early the cohorts that needed support. um, And then the main thing of this is clarity. People need to have clarity as to where they can get help and support. Um, And so we've put a number of directories together for people um, where they can get that help. Um, But it's also leveraging the national programs that, so a lot of support out there. There are the skill support for the unemployed, skill support for redundancy, skill support for the workforce, the National Careers Service, the Job Centre Plus offer, and obviously now um, the government's plan for work uh, initiatives, things like the kickstart schemes, the incentives to employers for apprenticeships and traineeships. Um, so it's making sure that all that's in place.
0: Do you tend to find at Semlet that employers are up to speed with what is available, or is your signposting in its own right a kind of educational process?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the signposting is very much needed. I mean, there's a lot of help and support out there. And and to be honest with you, there always has been um, in terms of kind of this thing. It One thing it's not been particularly good at is, is signposting and kind of perhaps putting it together. So I have to say, again, one of the good things that's perhaps come out of COVID-19 is this clarity of focus.
0: So plenty of support available. And if you are an employer, make sure you're genned up on where to find it. And where you should first look is the Semlep website, which is semlep.com. Does that sound like good advice to you?
2: Sounds like great advice to me.
0: Paul, lovely to talk to you. Thank you for your time. No problem. a pleasure. That's Paul Thompson from Semlep. Continuing that employment theme, we turn our attention to the next generation of workers who are just on the point or who will be looking to join the world of work through apprenticeships. Starting Off has offices in Northampton and Kettering. Katie Goodall has been telling me about how her business brings the right people to the right positions and has seen a recent upswing in turnover. So is Starting Off a kind of middleman agency?
4: Yeah, so what we will do is work with local school leavers and college leavers that are looking to find apprenticeships and then we work with local businesses, they'll contact us and tell us what their requirements are and what they're looking for and we'll essentially match the two together. And um, Once we've done that we then put the the training in place so we support the apprentice through, through that programme and give any advice or guidance to the employers that they might need around the grants available, we access the funding um, and sort of make that whole process work really.
0: Have apprentices now got an opportunity to be seen and heard as perhaps they used not to?
4: I think there has been a real shift. Um, I've worked at starting off for 13 years and I would say probably in the last four or five years I've seen um, apprenticeship companies that are taking on apprentices um, really sort of see them as kind of equal to their value to university graduates. Um, I think the the government advertising and marketing around the whole scheme has become a lot better. previously we perhaps thought of apprenticeships as sort of more trade based um whereas now i mean our apprenticeships are really quite academic accountancy marketing those sort of um you know skills that people might have gone to university for they can now kind of do the apprenticeship route so i think um there are still some some companies that will perhaps think because they're employing a younger candidate there will be Um, struggles that would come with that but actually I think you know the the people that we deal with are really mature they're really keen to get into an apprenticeship Um, and employers you know in Northamptonshire anyway are are really supportive of apprenticeships that's my experience. Katie can you
0: tell me of a time when perhaps you brought a potential apprentice to a potential Mm -hmm. employer as the middleman and, and and made that work for both sides?
4: One sort of example that does stand out for me, which has been quite recent really, is we we had a young lady that came about two years ago and started a digital marketing apprenticeship within a local business, Um, you know, wasn't particularly confident in herself at the time, hadn't done, you know, hadn't got the the best GCSEs or A-levels at school, had struggled a little bit on that, but was really determined. Um, Came in, did her apprenticeship, really blossomed through the apprenticeship, you know, not only technical skills but sort of confidence grew so much and now she's actually just started a, a degree apprenticeship um in marketing so she's gone from you know doing her apprenticeship to having her company that she works for now kind of employ her and support her with a degree apprenticeship so that's brilliant to see really because I don't think she ever thought she'd end up at university when she walked through you know our doors at starting off two years ago Katie,
0: without wanting to sound melodramatic, if there's somebody from a business listening to this today who's perhaps thinking about going down the apprenticeship scheme, but is wary of doing so, why should they commit to it? And at the same time, why should they commit to doing it through starting off?
4: Um, I think for employers, um, there's some brilliant incentives for taking on apprentices at the moment. You know, I appreciate that it is financially a difficult time for quite a lot of businesses. Um, So just to have that extra kind of incentive um, will will be beneficial. So you can um, have a, um, for taking on a 16 to 24-year-old, you'll receive £2,000 back from the government for doing that until January next year. And for 25 plus, you'd get £1,500. So there's there's that, um, which is definitely uh, a good point. Um, And I think also really just... Just having, you know, that young sort of fresh vibe in, in the team that can really sort of lead many businesses on to having, you know, not just one apprentice, but when they see that works, two, three, four, five apprentices that can really change the whole dynamic of a business. And I suppose why are you starting off? Um, you know, we know what we're doing. We've been, say so we've been around for a long time in Northamptonshire. All the schools will recommend their candidates to us. We we do a lot of work with local community, brilliant assessors that are very innovative in the way they they train we've got um we've we've moved remotely but we've now developed kind of visual learning aids and and different things for our apprentices so I think as a training provider, we are local, so we, we do deal with the candidates directly and we do know all our employers directly. We are quite hands-on with our, our apprentices and the support that's there for our apprentices and our employers is one of the main reasons that employers will, will say they use starting off because we are that local sort of service. And Northamptonshire has some, has some brilliant businesses um, that really you know do embrace the schemes and will, will continue to employ apprentices, hopefully.
0: Katie, it's great to talk to you today from starting off. If a potential uh, employer would like to make contact and take things forward, what's the best way from your point of view?
4: The best thing to do really is make contact with me. Our office number is 01604 622 855. They can also check out our website, which is www.startingoff.co.uk. And there is links to our reception email on there. and They can pop an email to that and we will um, get back in touch with them. From there, we'd set up an initial call to discuss their requirements and and tell them a bit more about the whole scheme in general.
0: Nice to talk to you, Katie. Thanks very much indeed.
4: Thanks for your time.
0: That's Katie Goodall. Does your business need to be seen, be heard or be found? Now, more than ever, companies need to make it clear that they are open for business. All Things Management is a team of creatives who connect their client to their audience. To find out more, visit allthingsmanagement.co.uk. Be seen, be heard, be found. Box Communications is proudly Milton Keynes' leading supplier of telephony and internet connectivity. Not my words, you understand, but the proud boast of the company that's using them. I've been talking to Lucy Gallois from Box, and with banking, tech, retail and leisure to name but four sectors in an ever-growing market, I asked Lucy how hard that market has been driving the business, particularly during the current pandemic.
5: Oh, John, you're absolutely right. Milton Keynes is the most exciting um, city to be part of. Um, for any business sector, but but we're very very lucky that we're part of the um, core IT and uh, digital sector of the city, uh, and have been. That's our heritage. We're a Milton Keynes born and bred city. Uh, most of us were raised here, educated here. Our children are educated here, and so we're hugely invested in the city. And our apprentices all come from the local colleges. So um, we are very proud of that, and we're really par- proud to be part of that digital. Um, sort of community um that's that's driving very fast forward. Um Milton Keynes is really keen to um to become one of the premier digital cities, if not the premier sort of digital city in the UK. And I think it's well on course to do that. Um, there are some fantastic businesses a very um a burgeoning cyber security but um community, for example, the AI community is groundbreaking here. We have robots on the street delivering our deliveries to us. Um, in terms of our clients, that means they are natural adopters of technology. I think the spirit of Milton Keynes um, amongst the business community is uh, forward thinking. It's open to new ideas. It's very democratic. There's Um, There's not a lot of ego involved. And so our clients are wonderfully open to the strategic guidance um, and advice that we like to provide to our clients as an overlay service as part of of working with Box. And they're very receptive to it. Um, Mm -hmm. We're now looking more at planning next steps with people. And uh, we're fascinated to be part of two to three to four, five year range planning for digital transformation journeys. Indeed, we're part of a couple of very, very interesting digital transformation Journeys, for example, at Milton Keynes Hospital.
0: Fascinating, because I can imagine their uh, connectivity and their communications is absolutely crucial. Yes. If we generally accept that time is money, and if we've all been led to believe that five G is, is is the sort of the altar at which we should all worship at least for now until six, seven, and eight G come on. <laughs> ju- just how how much faster can we expect our communications? To get You talked about box communication still having telephone engineers, which for some reason, and I don't quite know why, it conjures up this, this rather uh, ancient image of somebody up a telegraph pole. And I'm sure that's not what you mean. <laughs> but, you know, as, as technology moves on, are we now going to be moving on where telephone engineers really and truly are scientists?
5: Oh, good question. And I think our head of engineering would have something to say about your idea that I should send him up the pole seeing (laughs) if he's scared of heights. (laughs) Famously so. And um, really enjoyed doing uh, one of our bigger installations in the last couple of years in Milton Keynes Gallery, where he was um, overseeing installations at 10 metres high on their ceiling. So I think that we can probably disregard that as the future for telephone engineers. Um, But joking apart, yes, I think you, you talk about speed and 5G and and that's very relevant um, for for Milton Keynes and our local area, uh, Northampton as as well. Um, Milton Keynes is obviously one of the early adoption cities and one of the test cities for 5G, really excited about that Um, and we're part of that journey as well with Box Communications and uh, we're working with the Catapult, um, the 5G Catapult organisation to help bring 5G to Milton Keynes so hopefully shortly businesses will get the chance to apply to become um, test partners and any business any bar- any community group can um, apply and get hold of, free 5G sim cards to be used on the test net network that we'll be launching soon. I don't think it's about speed. I think it's what you do with it, as it is with all these things. Um, and what I what I love about the possibilities of 5G, and I think that's what we as a city need to, to, you know, grasp, take hold of, and own over the next um two years of test phasing, is the complexity of the data that one can capture and how one uses that. So it's the depth of experience um, that we can that we can improve in our day-to-day lives. So it will enable us to make all of our communications more data rich, um, which means that um, we can have more um, informed decision-making. We can have more tailored to our individual and bespoke requirements as individuals, as for example, patients at hospital or patients in the community. So for example, we can have midwives um, or district nurses with 5G enabled equipment, sending live data feeds back to hospital whilst they're um, helping their patients in the community and getting live information back to inform better care immediately. That's the way that 5G will transform our life and business experience. It will make us more healthy, it will make us safer. And that's really how Milton Keynes is trying to capture and enable 5G technology so um, anybody that wishes to get involved in that project please do um, get in contact with me I'd be really pleased to help them get get on the program it's open to to any business small big and any community group
0: and that means that everyone can form a cube behind me because that sounds absolutely fascinating from a town with AI from a town with uh, six-wheeled robots doing deliveries and now to midwives fully equipped with 5G the future is technological Lucy, absolute pleasure to talk to you. Let's get you back on the podcast before too much longer. Thanks very much indeed for your time.
5: Thank you, John.
0: That's Lucy Gallois from Box Communications. My final guest on this first edition of All Things Business, the podcast, knows business from a variety of angles. Gareth Wilshire is head of media at the recently promoted Northampton Town Football Club. It's very much the start to the season, but with the cobblers in the top third of the table, it's been a good start and a start behind closed doors. As Gareth has been telling me, having to play behind closed doors has had a significant effect and not just on the field.
3: Yeah, it has. Um, playing football behind closed doors just isn't the same. It's better than nothing, but it just isn't the same. It, you know, it, I look back to, to June and, and the player final at Wembley we beat Exeter City 4-0 and when you're 3-0 up with 10 minutes to go and the opposition have had a man sent off and you you look across and there's 90,000 empty seats at Wembley and you just try and think how good would this have been if we'd have had thirty forty thousand 40,000 Cobblers fans down sure. at Wembley cheering us yeah. on. You know, it, it was almost like a, you had a 10-minute party, a 10-minute lap of honour. It would have almost been... a. a a ceremonial crowning of promotion in front of those fans if if it could have been allowed i think it does change the course of matches you know the influence of the crowd to lift your team and to maybe roll the opposition and and, and things like that is missing and obviously there's a pretty big financial implication as well so um at the moment We're in the unknown. It's all unpredictable. You know, just a week ago um, we were working hard on a plan to um, apply for a test event in the hope that the whole City game would have a crowd of a thousand in as part of one of these pilot schemes Mm -hmm. for fans to return to stadiums. Um, We'd spent an awful lot of time on that. A lot of work had been done and then obviously the announcement from the government um, four days before the game was due to be played put those, those plans on pause. So, Although those plans are back in the box and on the shelf at the moment, we hope it won't be too long before we can get them out and and, and bring them back to the table. But for now, it's just the unknown.
0: Performance is really important on the pitch. Of course it is, but so too it is uh, within the boardroom when they look at the profit and loss figures. Uh, Taking the gate as as an instance on match days is a massive part of the cash flow. Equally, if you can't get fans into the ground because of coronavirus, that in the longer term is going to have an effect on season tickets. It's going to have an effect on the following of the club. And that too is going to have a knock-on effect because it affects what Keith Curl's got available to spend on players.
3: Yeah, it it does completely. And the real challenge at the moment for for James Whiting, the the chief executive, is if we knew that we could get supporters in from say the start of November while it wouldn't be great at least we could budget and we could forecast and we could know that right come November this income will start coming back in and that income will start coming back in but it's the unknown you know as I said a week ago if we'd have had this conversation we'd have been saying look we're hoping keeping our fingers crossed we're we're hoping we'll get a thousand fans in for the whole city game and then one government announcement later and you're back to just not knowing
0: and I guess that also has a knock on when you consider uh, commercial sponsorships, when you consider hospitality, all of those things if you've had uh, a good run and you've gone up in the leagues, if you've then had a good start to the season you know the commercial arm of Northampton Town Football, Football Club must be crying out to get sponsors and hospitality deals done right at this time of the season.
3: Yeah, exactly we've got promoted, we've gone up a level so our fixture list has a lot of high, pro- high profile names on it In normal circumstances, you know, these are exactly the games that attract the big corporate sponsorship. We are really lucky. Both our corporate sponsors and our supporters show an awful lot of goodwill to the club. And many of them um, are happy to support the club. They understand the position we're in and they want to keep that support in place. We're doing all we can to repay that support and hopefully... Um, it won't be too much longer before we'll be able to sort of repay that support in a more traditional way with match sponsors and hospitality and people sat in the stands and, and getting back to something that might resemble normality.
0: All right, so other than goals in the back of the opposing side's net and a clean sheet for our side, uh, what about the immediate goals for Northampton Town Football Club, Gareth? You let Keith look after the, the players, but what about from the club's point of view?
3: I think from the club's point of view, it's just about staying nimble, staying flexible so that we are ready to adapt and adjust to whatever COVID-19 may bring. I think it's hard to plan too much in advance because just in daily life with COVID-19, you you see news reports and at one minute we're not, we're going to be in lockdown for six months and then the next minute there, once the numbers change a little bit, we're looking at, at something different. So I think from our point of view, we go week by week, game by game. And, and as I said, we've got All these plans we've been working on for this pilot event, this test event, that we've got them ready to go. So they're on the shelf. And if in the next few weeks, as we all hope, the COVID-19 figures maybe begin to plateau off and maybe even start improving, and then if the government does say, right, we can unpause the Return to Fans programme and start getting them back in stadiums. We need to be nimble and ready to grab those plans off the shelf and be ready to go quickly. So it's hard without knowing whether fans will be back in November, December, January, March, whatever, um, it's hard to plan too much other than to make sure that we are ready to move and follow whichever path opens up because um, because of the unpredictability of COVID, we just need to stay nimble and flexible and, and be ready to adapt.
0: Well, whenever the turnstiles do open, I'm sure there'll be a warm welcome for fans and I'm sure the fans can only hope and pray that they get in sooner rather than later. In the meantime, good start to the season. Let's hope it continues. Uh, good luck for the remainder of the season. Perhaps catch up on the podcast again um, halfway through, Gareth. How about that?
3: That would be great. As I say, so much water is going into so many bridges so very quickly at the moment that, that I'm sure if we catch it midway through the season, things will have changed an awful lot.
0: I look forward to talking to you then. Thanks very much. Thank you, John. That's Gareth Wilshire. Until the turnstiles do open, you can follow the fortunes of the cobblers through the iFollow platform, which you'll find on the club's website, and that's ntfc.co.uk. That's all for this first edition of All Things Business, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Many thanks to all my guests this month. They'll be the next in our series in a month's time, so do make a date to join us. Until then, take care and all the best. From All Things Business, the podcast.